Hey guys, thank you for tuning in tonight for another episode with me. It's your girl Deanne, and tonight I want to talk about something that is very uncomfortable for me. And it's really about being alone. Bobby Vinton wrote a song called Mr. Lonely, and in the song he says, Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. I have nobody for my own. Luther Vandross once said in a song called A House Is Not A Home, I'm not meant to live alone. LL Cool J wrote a song called I Need Love and in the song he says, when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call, telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove. For the first time in my life, I see I need love. So tonight, guys, I'm gonna talk about what it means to be single and alone. Now, when I say single, I am the true definition of single. Again, 36, I live alone, I have no kids, I have no animals. So I'm more than a definition. I am truly a marital status single. I am single like a dollar bill, but I am not loose like change. That has always been my model, single and ready to mingle. And I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to be alone. I'm tired of being single. You see, my friends tell me, girl, if I were you, I'd be doing X, Y, and Z. But you know what? There are pros and cons to being single. There really is. And I've been living this lifestyle for many, many years. My last serious relationship was in 2013. So we're talking almost five years ago, almost six, that I was with somebody and it did not work out. But I know that I am not meant to be alone like Luther Vandross said. And what makes me feel this way is the Bible. If you ever read the Bible, or have you ever heard the story about how the world was created? We know in Genesis that God created the heavens, he created the earth, he created all living things, he separated the night from day, God did all of this. But in the midst of everything he created, he also made man, our human. Now it tells me this in Genesis. If you go to Genesis chapter two, and then this is the part where I know I was not made to be alone. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And this is when God created Adam. And I'm just gonna read what the Bible says. It says, then the Lord God said, I see that it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make the companion he needs one just right for him. Verse 19, 
The Lord God used dust from the ground and made every animal in the fields and every bird in the air. He brought all these animals to the man and the man gave them all a name. Verse 20, the man gave names to all the tame animals, to all the birds in the air and to all the wild animals. He saw many animals and birds, but he could not find a companion that was right for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to sleep very deeply. While he was asleep, God took one of the ribs from the man's body. Then he closed the man's skin where the rib had been. Verse 22, the Lord God used the rib from the man to make a woman. Then he brought the woman to the man and the man said, finally, one like me with bones from my bones and a body from my body. She was taken out of a man, so I will call her woman. So the Bible clearly tells me that woman was created because God said that the man that he is referring to is Adam. Adam had everything in the garden, but yet God still saw that Adam was lonely. So he took a rib and created a woman as his helper. So based on that, I know I am not supposed to be alone. I know there's a man out there that God took a rib out of to create me. You know, I thought I found him a couple of times by myself, but our DNA did not match. He wasn't a perfect fit for me, but I'm still hopeful because of that Bible verse is that I know there's a man out there for me. And see, I wrote a song about where I'm at in my life because I am a songwriter. One thing I do with my time is I write music. And I wrote this song to kind of express how it feels to be single. Because again, I'm supposed to be living my best life, right? As a single woman, and I have my own place, I can have a guy in my place every night if I wanted to. I can have a different man for the different day of the week, but that's not me. Deanne is a relationship type of person. And this song talks about it. And the song is called Someone to Love that I wrote. And I'm not going to sing it for you guys. I'm simply going to go over some of the lyrics that I wrote. And this is how I feel. I said, going out, truth be told. The club scene, it gets real old. I just want someone to hold and warming up when my nights are cold. Every night, it's a different man. No love, just a one night stand. I just want a ring on my hand. Is that so hard to understand? The single life gets very lonely. I just want the one for me who I can call my one and only. Where in the world can he be? And this is where I'm at. Because at some point in a woman's life, she wakes up and she has an aha moment. And I've had that. You know, I'm 36. So when I enter 30, I'm like, oh my gosh. Are you going to have kids? 
because my biological clock is ticking. Now I'm 36. I probably could have children, but it might be a high risk pregnancy. Why, why aren't you married, Deanne? Why don't you have a man? See, these are things that I think about. Then your friends in the world, they ask these same questions. Why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? Why aren't you in a relationship? And there's some women out there who loves to be single because let's be truthful. Single women want to be married and married women want to be single. I hear my friend say, girl, I wish I was single again. And I'm like, girl, I wish I was married. Because like I said, I am a relationship type of person. I have a hard time. Like I can't play somebody. And there's been chances I could have played men out of their money or whatever I wanted, but that's not me. I have a fucking good heart. And it's hard for me to do those things because my heart won't allow me to do it. I am consistently with the same person until that person and I could no longer be together. Whether it's him playing me, cheating on me or whatever, we decide to go our separate ways. But I'm not a serial dater. Because the way I look at things is how can I date you and give you the fair assessment to see if we are compatible if I'm entertaining five other men? I'm not that type of girl. When I meet somebody who I vibe with, I stick to them like Lent. It's going to be hard, baby, to get me off of you with all that white. I'm going to be stuck on you like glue. That is how I am. I've always been that type of woman. And I know a lot of people will say, well, you know what, sis? You sound desperate. You sound clingy, needy. Your self-esteem is low. But no, I love myself. A person who does not love them themselves does not take care of themselves. So I do love myself. My self-esteem to me is not low. Now, do I have areas that I need to work on? Of course I do. I don't think there's nobody in this world who is perfect. The only perfect person I know that walked this earth was Jesus. So no, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of room for improvement. But is this why I'm single and not married? I don't know. You know, am I an excellent cook? No, I'm not. But they got cookbooks out there. And if I'm with a man and I love him, I would learn how to cook anything for him because I want to be with him. Am I sometimes a little bit insecure? Of course, because again, nobody is perfect. There's always something you can work on. No matter how beautiful you are or that person is, there's always something that they will see that is ugly. That's normal. But I'm not a bad woman. I'm not a bad woman. I give a damn. And see, I think me having a good heart causes these problems. And what I mean is I look at myself as a target. Anybody who has a good heart is a target to someone who is praying to use you. And I will tell you why. One thing that my dad 
always watched on the Discovery Channel was animals. And one thing he was fascinated with was lions and how they hunt. If you ever saw how a lion hunt, very sneaky. A lion will stalk their prey until they know it's time for attack. And I've seen this plenty of times. If you ever see these animal programs, and there could be like a herd of buffaloes, a herd of hyenas, herd of gazelles, and yet a lion will sit back and analyze the entire herd. And out of the entire herd, that lion will spot a weak link. It might be a mother who's pregnant. It might be a baby who's having a hard time walking. It might be somebody who is injured and that is walking with a limp or looks like they cannot make it. That lion will see that and focus their attention on that one. And when the time is right, that lion will attack that animal. But see, lions are smart. A lion is not going to waste his time chasing after an animal who may be faster than him or who may outsmart him. No, because that wastes energy. And see, they can only run so fast before they kind of burn out that energy they have to replace. So when they make that attack, they want that attack to be a solid attack where it's going to profit in a meal. And see, that's how I look at people with a good heart. When you have a good heart, there are people out there. And see, I am the prey. They are the hunters, these men. And they look at me as a come up. I mean, what man in his right fucking mind wouldn't want to be with a woman who had her own place? I have my own place. That means I can have a man in here every night. This is home court advantage to a man who could come over here, have sex with me, and chill. He ain't got to worry about no kids. He ain't got to worry about no roommate because I live alone. I have my own car. I have a job. I take care of myself. I am self-sufficient. That is another target when somebody's trying to use you. You see what I'm saying? This happens a lot. I might have a guy come over here and then all of a sudden I look up, his shoes are in my closet like, uh, excuse me? Do you think you're going to move in with me? Because that's not going to happen. Okay, this is not the Salvation Army. I'm not taking care of no man. Like, I've done that before. It's not happening again. But I am a target to these men because they think she got money. She ain't got no kids. She has a nice place. And they don't know the struggle. They only see the end result. But they were not here three years ago when I had an air mattress I was laying on, when I didn't have a couch to sit on. I didn't have a table to eat dinner. They only see the end result. But I work hard from where I'm at. So this did not come overnight. There was a struggle process, but I did it on my own. So these guys that I meet, it's the same thing. And see, I can't get mad at these men. I make it too easy. And and like I said, this is going to be the most realest podcast I've ever done. Because I'm really talking about myself and the problems I face with being single. A man is only going to do what a woman allows him to do. And see, me and my twisted mind, 
I don't know why I don't judge a man by his actions and not his words. You know, my mom, my mother passed away in 2002. And one thing my mom used to tell me a lot, she would tell me that I was naive. And she even told my dad. My dad told me a few years ago, you know, my mom and my dad would have talks. And she told my dad how we were as kids, where our weakness was. She says, I have a good heart, but she is naive. And you know what? I joke about it. My middle name is Nolina. Deanne Nolina Ford, right? But I say the N stands for naive, Deanne Naive Ford, because even at 36, I'm still naive. And people will say, well, girl, why are you so naive? I really don't know. I honestly don't know, but I fall every time for the same type of man. And I know my weakness, you know? BBD said, never trust a big butt and a smile. I said, don't trust a good looking man with a six pack or a nice smile or good hair. Because the guys that I date, that I've been with, they all use me. They all have used me because of my good heart. And just recently, you know, I was just in Chicago and there's a guy out there that I like a lot. And see, one thing about me when it comes to men, I am very persistent, very persistent with a guy. I've always been like that. If I saw a guy and I liked him, I'm going to pursue him. I am going to be like Forrest Gump and I'm going to run. And my friends and my family would say, you let a man court you, not the other way around. And even my dad says, you have to crawl before you walk. But me, I run. I don't walk or crawl. I take off running like uh, Usain Bolt. And guess what happens in the end? I get my heart broken. Why? Because of my infatuation with a man. And it's not even necessarily how he treats me. It's the words that I fall for. I can give you guys countless of stories of how men have taken advantage of me. But I was just in Chicago with my best friend and she told me something that you know really stuck out to me. and. I haven't cried to her about this. Like, I might even cry now because this is so real. She said, this guy that I like in Chicago, I was out there for six days waiting for him to call me. I waited by the phone like how you wait for your benefits on the first of the month, like you wait for a check or like how a woman waits for a period because she's late. Four days, he called one time and gave me a reason why he couldn't see me. And then the last two days, I saw him. And see, I'm so into him. And I told him, it is an honor to be around you. It's an honor for me to breathe the same air that you breathe. When I'm, when I'm with you, I'm in such a high that I can't come down. And it's scary. You, you know what the scary part is? It's to like somebody 
who possibly doesn't like you. And it hurts like hell. It does. It hurts like hell. And you, no matter how good you are to them, they may never get to the point that you are. And then at some point, you got to ask yourself, is he using me? Well, see, this guy hasn't asked me for anything, but he knows I like him. I make the effort. And my friend said, based on his actions, not his words, he doesn't like you. And I'm telling her, no, girl, you have it all wrong. And you know what it ended up sounding like? Honestly, y'all remember the song that uh, Janet Jackson wrote, What Have You Done For Me Lately? If you ever saw the video, Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul are talking. They're gossiping like women. And Janet, this is what happens. I'll just read the dialogue for you. So this is Paula Abdul. What's up, girl? Janet, he stood me up again. Paula, again? Janet says, mm-hmm. Paula says, well, what's up with this guy? Do you really like him that much? And Janet says, yes, honey, I love him. He is fine. He does a lot of nice things for me. And then Paula said, I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? And my friend asked me that question. What has he done for you, D? I'm like, he hasn't done shit. He's done nothing for me. Nothing. The only thing he allowed me to do was come over his place where we were in a surrounding where I was around him. Because again, he knows I like him. And I don't know if he likes me the same way because I look at things different. I would say, yeah, he likes me. He texts, he calls. Does he call or text like I want? Of course not. But I'm not him. He's not me. But he's fine. You know, I tell him all the time, if I can get you pregnant, I would, boo, and pay you child support. That's how fine he is to me. To me, he is fine. He is gorgeous. This is my type. But what has he done for me? He has done nothing. Has he proven himself that he liked me? Not really. But I'm infatuated with him. I am. And I can't seem to get over him, how we met and just the time that we spend together. See, when you really like somebody, when you really dig somebody, two minutes of their time can mean the world to you. And I, I don't think people understand that. I don't. Taking a second out of your day to text somebody and say you were on my mind, it can just change that person's whole day. And I don't think they understand. But see, when you have feelings for someone and it's not reciprocated, this is what happens. This is the letdown. And it's been like this all the time in my relationships. You know, my longest relationship that I had was seven years. And it was the same cycle. I went to the club one night with my best friend. I saw this guy from across the room and he was fine. I was 18 years old and I seen him and he was fine. To me, he was the finest thing walking in Arizona. And I was shy. 
I didn't talk to him, but I stared at him the whole entire night asking myself, why would this guy see any value in me? Because I wasn't all that attractive. I mean, even in high school, you know, I've always, I was always the girl with the nice body. If you knew me back in high school, I don't think there's anyone that can disagree. I had nice breasts. I mean, my breasts are still nice. They're bigger, but I had really nice perky breasts. Nice body, but I wasn't attractive. You know, I couldn't even get a guy to take me to prom. Like, if anyone ever saw my prom picture, look at my prom date. Like, I asked so many men, but they never wanted to go out with me. And I was a virgin. And my father was strict. And I had no car. So there were so many things that was against me. But I couldn't even get a guy. I never had a boyfriend. But I had older men that were attracted to me in high school. And I would never date them because, again, I was a virgin, right? So what was a coping mechanism is that I wasn't attracted, but poof, man, I DN is funny. I was class clown. That's what I won. Class clown of uh, my class. You know, uh, one year I wanted to be homecoming royalty. So for three years, three years, anyone who went to high school with me, I tried out for homecoming princess. My junior year, I won. I was Valentine's princess. So me being funny, me being who I was is what helped me deal with my depression, deal with me being by myself. Because in high school, I wasn't the it girl. I was the girl that was trying to fit in. I was like Tammy Roman when she first came into Basketball Wives. Remember, she didn't have the right weave. She didn't know how to dress. She wasn't wearing designer brands. She was talking about food stamps. You know, her skin wasn't right. She didn't have that shush, that glow. That was me in high school. But I was funny as shit. And I'm still funny. I made people laugh, but guys wouldn't date me. And at 36, I'm still funny. I look better. I dress better. But at times, I feel like I'm still that girl who couldn't get a date to prom. It's always been like that. But when I saw this guy at 18, how fine he was. I Forrest Gump. I was running. I mean, running to the braces came off my knees. I was running. I chased this man. And I remember when he left that night, I asked his friends who he was. And every time I would see his friends at the club, I would look for him. But guess what? He wasn't there. And they told me, man, he don't come out but every six months. So for, I kid you not, for a whole year straight, I was chasing this guy until one day I saw him. I saw him at the club again. I said, this time, girl, you're going to go say something to him. And I, and I did. At the end of the night, I was in the parking lot and I seen him from across the way. And I was making my way towards him. And then I seen a girl approach him. And I'm not going to lie. The girl was beautiful. I saw her give him her number and she kissed him. So me being who I am, I walked up to him. I took the number out of his hand. I ripped it up and told him to call me. Like as bold as that sound, I told him to call me. But he knew who I was because his friends were telling him, 
man, there's this girl. Every time she sees us, man, she asking about you. And he didn't know who I was. He just knew there was some girl that was looking for him. Well, I was the girl. So what I got with him, I dated this man from the time I was 19 to 26. And we had a rocky relationship. In the beginning, he played me. He cheated on me with his baby mother, had another baby. He used to hit me. You know, and the, the weird part is, is in the beginning, I was head over heels, infatuated with him. I was in love with him until he turned me savage. Then I started cheating on him. But he did some crazy shit to me. Okay, I'm not going to go full into the relationship. But in the end, the guy loved me and he even tried to take his life over me. And I'm not being funny when I say this. I'm saying this, like I said, I'm keeping it 100 tonight on this episode, but he did try to kill himself. But see, I was already gone from the relationship. I was with another guy already and it hurt him. He tried to kill himself because I remember my sisters called me. He swallowed a whole bottle of pills and they had to go to uh, take him to the emergency room and put that black stuff down his stomach content to absorb the pills. And I felt so bad, but I was already gone. Like he hurt me to the point where I didn't want to be with him. And now the roles reversed. He was in love with me and I didn't give a fuck about him at that time because he hurt me. I was with a whole new guy. But I think I have bad karma because like I said, I was with that man for such a period of time. He was my first everything. First man I lived with. First guy that hit me. We did things together. We had a lot of ups and downs and struggles. But that to me was a real relationship. You know, I look at him, you know, our relationship like Ike and Tina, you know. Certain days I was Tina, but most of the time he was Ike. You see what I'm saying? But I loved him. I didn't know anything better, but I left. Moved to Atlanta for four years, messed up my life. Came back to Arizona in 2013 and met a new guy. Met him at my job. i never forget it. I saw him and his swag was on a whole different level. In the same, man, the same MO, I start running. I chased this guy and this guy at the time, see I was 31, he was 26. And he played me. I gave this man money, like I helped him with his kids because I just knew we were together, but he wasn't claiming me. You know what I'm saying? But it was the same MO. That good heart always gets taken advantage of. He used me. He knew I loved his children. So he would say things like, oh, my son needs this, X and the third. I would give him money. He would go buy some weed or some shoes. And I'm like, oh, I thought your son needed that. So what I'm saying is that with all these men that I've dated or was seriously with, they end up hurting me. And they took advantage of me. And again, I'm not going to blame them because I'm not... 18, I'm 36, but yet at 36, I still fall for the same shit. And I don't think I'm a bad person. I don't, I don't think I'm a bad woman. I think I have qualities about me that any man would love, you know, and I always pray to God if I could meet a male version of me, but you know what my dad said? He said something to me like two weeks ago that really stood out. He said, 
I think God has sent you your husband, but because he didn't look a certain way, you turned him down. And I really believe that. The core of my spirit, my ancestors are probably turning in their graves. I believe that. I believe God has sent me plenty of good men, but because they were not fine like I like, I did not give them the fucking time of the day. And I believe that. But I don't think people realize like being single, it's really not all cracked up to be like how people say it is. Like, yes, I have the freedom option of doing and going and choosing whomever I want to be with and sleep with and all that. But again, I'm not built like that. I am a relationship type of person. I want to be with one man. I don't need several men. It's just that the men that I pick, they're not good for me. And I wish I could change that. I really do need to start judging a man by his actions and not his words. But I mean, sometimes you can be blinded by looks. And it's true. I follow my own advice. I know. I know my type. When I see a man that I like, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. It's like some kind of kryptonite. Like, oh, oh my gosh, you got good hair. Oh, he has a beautiful smile. It's like I just immediately, it's like I'm weakened by that. I am weakened by that. And the devil knows. The devil knows. But when I come home from work and I come in my door, and I shut it. That's when reality sets in. Girl, you are by yourself. I have a queen size bed. No one sleeps on the other side. My nieces, when they come over here. But I look and I'm like, wow, I am by myself. If I want to do something with someone, I can't do it. So these are the things I think. But this is how depression sets in. Because your mind will have you playing tricks on you. Making you think like you're not good enough to be loved. Like you should kill yourself. You shouldn't be on this earth. This is how people commit suicide because they feel like they're at their loneliness. And I'm not going to lie and say I haven't thought those thoughts. But (laughs) Deanne is scared. I couldn't kill myself if I wanted to. I mean, what am I going to do? Drink a whole gallon, two gallons of water at one time and take my life? Like I'm not going to throw myself into the ocean. You know, I'm not going to jump from a building. I'm not going to take a needle and inject myself with drugs. I don't like needles. I'm not going to take a gun and pull it to my head. I'm scared of guns. So I'm not going to kill myself. And I know what's going to happen when I meet my maker. But those thoughts have came to my head. Like, I don't think people realize that at a very young age, I had these thoughts. Like, I would go to my mom crying. And this is a true story. I, I went to my mom one day. I came home from school and I cried to her and I said, Mom, I am so ugly. You know, in high school, I had acne and I've always had oily skin. But when you're in high school, you're really trying to like discover and figure out yourself. And I was crying to her. I said, you know, no one loves me. Nobody wants me. And she was crying with me. And she said, baby, if I could take the acne off your face, I would. But you're beautiful. My mom told me that. And I said, you don't understand, mom. You're my parent. You would never understand how it feels to be me. And I have a a birthmark on my face, on the left side of my cheek. And my mom told me the story. She said, when you came out, that's the first thing I noticed. She said, I thought she was so beautiful. 
And kids would tease me about this birthmark. It was to the point where they said I had cancer and they would talk about me. But my mom told me and I knew she meant it. But see, when you are a teenager, you don't look at your parents like that. I look at my parents like you created me. You're not going to say I'm ugly because I am a product of what you and dad did to get me here. But she would tell me all the time. And I never saw that. Never saw the beauty because of how people treated me. Couldn't get a date in all of this. You know, it made my mom rest in peace. But she would tell me these things. She was my friend. I would come to her. Now I come to my dad. And I tell my dad the same thing about how I feel. But I don't, pe- I don't think people understand what it really means to be alone with your thoughts, to not have anyone, especially around the holiday. It is so depressing. If I didn't have these other things that I did, which was music and have a job, I don't know if I would be living right now because I would have nothing to live for. If I didn't have my nieces here. You see what I mean? Like if you guys ever saw a movie called Mask, it's a really good movie. I don't um I don't think anyone's ever seen this movie, but the movie is basically a guy, a teenager who had a face deformity and Cher was his mom. This movie was made in 1985 and I love this movie. So basically, this young boy had this disease where it caused his, his name was Rocky. He caused, it caused his face to kind of harden. And he had a best friend and, you know, his mom, Cher, would tell him how beautiful he was. Where, well, one summer he went to a camp and he met this girl who was blind. And I remember the movie like it was yesterday. Um, There was a scene where... He was trying to teach her the color since she couldn't see it. So he put like a stone in hot water and gave it to her. He said, this is red. It's hot. Then he gave her something that was uh, cold. He said, this is blue. But she touched his face and she knew there was something different about him, but she still accepted him for who he was. And he fell in love with her. And I remember when um, her parents came to pick her up from camp and they saw Rocky and they saw what he looked like. They were appalled. And she was bragging to her parents like, mom, dad, this is Rocky. And they did not accept him because of his face deformity. Even to the point when he called her house, they lied. They did not accept him for who he was. So that was one heartbreak. The plan was in a movie for his best friend. They were going to travel the world together. And at the last minute, his best friend decided to not do it. They got into a fight. Rocky got mad and he had this big map that had red pins in it. And he ripped it down. But what made me cry is that I tell people all the time, you can die of a broken heart. No one believes me. But if you ever seen a movie, Rocky ends up dying in his sleep. He had nothing else to live for. His best friend failed him. The girl that he loved, parents would not accept him. He ended up dying. And if you ever go to a cemetery, like I go, I see my mom all the time. And one thing I see a lot of is I look at people's headstones. And if you ever see like a spouse that dies, 
six months or even sooner, the other spouse dies. Or if a child dies, one of the parents dies shortly because you can die of a broken heart. When you have nothing in this world to live for, you have no will to live. You can die. But love can make a person live longer. I really believe this. If you have someone that truly loved you, it would encourage you to live no matter what the world is telling you, no matter what you're facing. You can have cancer. You can have a terminal illness. And yet you can die knowing that somebody in this world gave a damn about me versus dying alone. Have you ever been to hospice? My grandmother was in hospice for many, many days and she was surrounded by family. But can you imagine dying alone and there's no one to even claim your body? They put a tag that says Jane Doe or John Doe. You have no one. That's the worst feeling in this world to die alone without love. You see, and that's what I'm dealing with about having a good heart. How women get taken advantage of or how I get taken advantage of. Y'all remember the movie Boomerang with Eddie Murphy, who played Marcus Graham. He was a gigolo. Eddie Murphy, he had no limits to what he'll do to have sex. He was a good guy. He dressed nice, good conversation, had a nice place. He had a routine where he'll cut flowers, make food, spruce up his house. But I remember one scene when Marcus was outside and he saw this beautiful woman walking her dog. So let me tell you what he did to get her attention. He went to a couple, gave them $20 for the leash, took the leash and said, Kirby, Kirby, Curbster. So he knew the girl was an animal lover. So she comes up to him. Did you lose your dog? And he says, yes. He describes Kirby and he's calling Kirby. And she said, well, if I see Kirby, I'll make sure to call you. So he continues to call and she comes back and gets his number. And guess what? Later that night, she comes over to his house. And Marcus tells this woman that he's alone because I think he said he lost his wife, like she died. He says something about, <laughs> this guy is stupid. He says something about, he caught his wife. Um, he was getting, that's what he said. He says something about they were getting married. He, he and this woman was getting married and she slept with the bride or his best groom and he lied to her. But the whole point is he ended up having sex with her. And the only thing that made him not want to call her is her feet. But this is what he did. He was a gigolo until... He met Robin Givens, uh, a.k.a. Jacqueline. He meets Jacqueline and tried those same moves, but see, it did not work because Jacqueline or Jacqueline was a male version of him. He chased her. He pursued her no matter what he did. You know, he invited her over for dinner. He made salmon. He spruced up his place like he did for the other girl. But the basketball game was on. She wanted to watch the game. And he was very annoyed that those same tricks that worked on all those women did not work on her. He was bothered by that, but he still pursued her because she was that fine until they went to New Orleans on a business trip. And see, Jacqueline teased him throughout the movie. She knew his reputation. She knew what type of man Marcus was, and she played him. She used him for sex. And it's kind of funny how Marcus got his heart broken. 
The same dish that he was serving, he got it back and he did not like it. So he gets his heart broken by Jacqueline and he meets Angela. And Angela is the girl with the good heart. Angela was there to save him from his broken heart when Jacqueline or Jacqueline broke his heart. So what does he do to Angela? He plays her. Good girl, Angela. And she said a line in that movie that still, it still sticks out to me. She said, you don't love me, Marcus. She said, you don't know a damn thing about love. Because if you knew anything about love, love would have brought you home last night. And that's so true. But see, people with good hearts, this is what happened. And I wish I could be savage. I wish I could say, fuck you. I don't need you. But that's not me. I have emotions. Like I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't think people understand that. And this is probably why I'm single, unmarried, with no children at 36. Because it seems like every relationship, no matter how I try to change up the format, it always ends the same. I get taken advantage of. And again, I can't blame somebody for what I am allowing. I need to work on that. There's a lot of things I need to work on. But I don't understand. Because see, everything in this world deserves love. Anything that's breathing, you got to take care of something. You got to put TLC. You know, if you don't put water on a plant, it's going to die. If you don't water your grass, it's not going to grow. If you don't plant a seed and water it, some, some apples or I'm sorry, some fruit or trees don't grow. So everything in this world needs TLC. And I am not excluded. And see, guys, I don't think you understand. Love is the, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. But love, I'm chasing a feeling. And I'm telling you guys, I feel like Pookie. I feel like I got a crack pipe to my mouth. Because when I meet somebody, that's how it is. That feeling is what I'm chasing. And it's a drug that I can't, I can't shake. There's no shot you can give me to make me fall out of love. Like they don't have therapy for people who fall in love easily. There's none of that. But that happens to me all the time. And I have to back away from that because it's dangerous. It is unhealthy to be in love with someone or to care for someone who doesn't give a damn about you. And I wrote plenty of songs about this. It's the worst feeling in the world. The worst feeling in the world. And I feel like with me, maybe I invited but I don't understand why a man would want to risk a good thing for something unsure. If it was me and I had someone who loved me and cared about me and not just the major things, but the little things, the little things matter. Somebody who takes time to cater to your needs. Like, you know what? I know you like this certain ice cream. I went and got you this ice cream. The little things, not material, just the little things. Somebody that pays attention. I know your favorite color is black. So guess what? I got you a black shirt. Just anything. It's the small things that really counts to me, not the major things. But that is what I'm chasing. And I don't know if I'll ever have my husband. I don't know if I'll have kids. I don't know what is going to happen. 
But one thing I do know is this, is that God did not make me to be alone. I really believe there's a missing puzzle out there. There were a few that I thought fit, but it was the wrong piece. We didn't gel. I don't know who this man is or what I'm supposed to do. But one thing I know is that I have to change my behavior because we know the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again, but expecting a different result. And this is what I've been doing. So I don't know what the future holds for me, but I do know that being single with a good heart is not a good combination. And I have to be careful because love is something that is easy to do. It doesn't cost a thing to love somebody, but it can cost you everything if you love somebody who does not love you. It really can. And I know that from experience. So I thank you for listening tonight. Sorry I got emotional, but like I said, I'm going to keep it 100. This is the real about me. And I can say that. It's kind of like therapy for me. And I know I'm not the only one who goes through this, but I welcome your comments. I welcome your stories. You can always find me on Instagram. My IG name is Next Lover, and that is N-E-X-T-L-O-V-E-Her, H-E-R. Facebook by my name, uh, Deanne Ford. I do have a YouTube channel by my name. I don't think anyone even pays attention to my YouTube. It's it's really mostly wigs and, you know, just things that I see. But as always, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. And until next time, you have a blessed night. Be safe. And I will talk to you later.